Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We were uh, we were talking right before this about uh, our well, our pending trip. You're in Kansas City. My pending trip to Kansas City here in the second week of December. And now I'm thinking about like we were talking about the best places to go eat barbecue, which obviously it's Kansas City. There's a million options. Um, now I'm thinking at some point I might have to, like, so I'm going to be out there Friday night and I'll be there all day Saturday, all day Sunday. I might have to just on Saturday, just take a tour, like a tasting tour where I just go to every one of these places and that's all I do. That's it. I don't care about setting up for the show Sunday. I don't care about any other obligation I may have. Like I just start at like 10 AM and I just work my way through each place until I've either passed out um, or or I've I've eaten myself into a food coma, um, but I'm I I think that might have to be the way it goes, dude. The meat sweats will be strong with you. Things happen. These things happen. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. I what? So what is the place? I, I'm is it is it Joe's? That's like in a. It's like feels like it's in a gas station. Well, yeah, the original Joe's was in a gas station. Yeah, because that's one. Okay, so I've been there. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. That that place is amazing. I've been to Joe's. I've been to I've been to Jack Stack. I've been to Q39. Uh, I have been to Arthur Bryant's. Um, I've been to Gates. So I've been to pretty much all of them. The big the big one, the big name ones. Sure. Um, but yeah, I might have to just do a whole tour. Like the, the old the. Yeah, there's like that dish at Olive Garden, the famous one. You know, I feel like when my grandparents would take us as kids, like the tour of Italy. Might just have to take like a tour of Kansas City, but this one's actually going to require me to get up from the table. Yeah, before the show, Verderam and I got heated. He, he was talking about his favorite spot he's had so far, and I was about to throw hands. I actually had to walk away for a second. I had to take, take a little time before he came back on the show, but let's get into it. Uh, the Bills fell to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. By the way, one of the few games I've gotten right, I think, all season long, me picking the Vikings. I told you I'm riding with iced-out Kirk Cousins. But how concerned are you when it comes to the Buffalo Bills? Uh, concerned enough that I think they need to make some changes. Like, look, I'm writing a whole feature on this this week. We're not, I don't know if it's a feature, but it's a qualifies. I'm writing a piece on them this week about the fact that they cannot continue to play this way, relying on Allen to the extent that they are. And I wrote about that actually in my Stack the Box column on Monday as well, but I'm going to go deeper this week. Like, I went back yesterday, and I looked at every single quarterback in their Super Bowl winning seasons. How many guys have gone even over the 70% threshold in terms of yard share? So, like, you take a total yardage for the team – how much is the quarterback responsible for passing and rushing? There aren't that many guys that are over 70%. Now, most of them in this day and age are. Most of them are like low 70s. Josh Allen right now is at 84.1%. There's been one guy, one guy in the history of the league that's won a Super Bowl at over 80%, and I will tell you this right now. And I don't mind spoiling this. Maybe people, this will entice them to read it. The guy who was over 80%, it floored me. Like I was absolutely like I had to like pick myself up off the ground and I said Eli Manning. <laughs> Eli Manning was at 80.3% for the Giants in 2011. 
He was their entire offense, and somehow they won the Super Bowl with him doing that. I have no idea how they did it. Nobody else has ever been over 80% and won the Super Bowl. By the way, uh, shout out Kansas City. Mahomes right now is at like 82%. So might want to diversify the offense a little bit. The one difference I would point out, though, is Buffalo's offense, they ask Allen also to run the ball a ton as well. Mahomes will run when he scrambles, but they don't design runs for Mahomes. A lot of the reason Mahomes is 82% because they throw the ball constantly. Now, I still think it's a problem, but with the Bills, you're asking Allen to do everything, run the ball, pass the ball. Like Allen is the leading rusher on the Bills. No quarterback in NFL history has ever gone to a conference championship game and been the leading rusher of his team. You're asking him to just be historic in so many ways for them. And I think it's starting to manifest itself in him pressing and him making mistakes. That's the only concerning nature of the Bills, though. They still look like one of the best teams in the NFL. Sure. It took it took it took a Herculean collapse. I mean, a safety would have been better in that situation than yeah, what yeah, happened in that yeah. situation. Like it was just it was wild. I'm worried about the Bills just for the reasons you mentioned. Josh Allen is that entire team, but Josh Allen's so incredible. I would also say I'm a little worried that his elbow, like they're doing all of this and he has a bum elbow. Dude, it's like Tommy John surgery. He's like, now nah, I'm going to go ahead and just throw a 65-yard bomb. I mean, that has to be at least a little concerning. I would say what's more concerning right now, and yeah, it'll get better, I, I think. They're beat up on defense. And the result has been they are getting just absolutely killed on the ground. I mean, teams are just running the ball down their throat. Packers did it. Jets did it. The Vikings did it. The other thing I will point out, too, is they have now, the last two weeks, they've blown pretty big leads in both these games. 14-3, I believe it was, against the Jets. 27-10 to with under two minutes to go in the third quarter at home against Minnesota. You can't close the game out? Like, that, that to me is concerning. I still believe they are a top team in the NFL. They can they can win the Super Bowl, all that stuff. I'm not I'm not jumping off that bandwagon, but I I think at at some point you do have to be realistic. If Allen has a day where he's just good, they have a major problem. Like they they can't win if he's not great. They need him to be otherworldly every week, and if he's not that, they lose. And I think at some point, like, you've got to be able to run the ball with your running backs. You've got to be able to survive an injury or two up front. Like, look, everybody's going to say, well, their secondary, the secondary's been hurt. Okay. They're front seven. Did they all pass away? Like, can, can anybody make a tackle? I mean, they had Edmonds and Milano this week. Now, Edmonds left the game early. I understand that, and that's when everything went to hell. If your entire defense is if Edmonds isn't on the field, you're giving up 200 yards rushing, it's a problem. I mean, come on now. Like, you got to tackle somebody. I, I think Buffalo is still very, very good. But I do think that, you know, early in the year, we looked at him like, man, Allen's been unbelievable. And he, and he has been. He's also not leading the league in interceptions. He's thrown six picks in the last 10 quarters. I, four of them have been in the red zone. Like, at some point, that is coming home to roost. They get the Browns and the Lions the next two weeks. They should win those games. And then they have a tough stretch. Then they're at New England. They've got to play Miami at home. They've got to play Cincinnati on the road. They've got to play New England on the at, at home in the rematch. Like it's not going to be easy. But they, these next two games should help them kind of st- stabilize a little bit. 
Well, where do they fit in in the AFC hierarchy? You know, they've beaten Kansas City. They lost to Miami. Miami's sitting there now at 7-3. and three. Tennessee somehow keeps finding ways to get victories. They sit at 6-3. and three. The Ravens 6-3. and three. Yep. Where do the Bills fit in in the AFC hierarchy? You could argue a bunch of places. I, it's, it's ironic. They're oddly enough, they're third in their own division right now, which is insane. Uh, but I always base on like if they play it on a neutral field, who do I think is better? Look, I picked the Bills to start the year to win the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to back off that. I still think when the Bills are right, it's them in Kansas City. I still feel that way. Um, but I got to be honest, right now in a neutral field, I think Kansas City would beat them. I, and I know a month ago the Chiefs lost them. I get it. A month is a long time in the NFL. If the Chiefs played them right now in a neutral field, I'll, I'll even go a step further. I think the Chiefs played them in Buffalo, they beat them. I think the Chiefs beat them anyway. They played them right now. I Now, the Bills, you know, I want to see them get healthy on defense. You know, that's part of this. Um, but I right now, I'd put them second in the AFC. And I think you can make an argument for third. Like in power rankings, I'd probably even put them third in the AFC because I think you got to give Miami their props. But if you said to me in a playoff game, would I take Buffalo or Miami? I would take Buffalo. I think I'm on the exact same page as you. A month's a long time in the NFL. It is. I mean, the Chiefs have figured out a lot of things in a month, it looks like. And the Bills have figured out they have problems in one month's time. Again, with power rankings, I'd put Miami second behind Kansas City. But again, if they were actually to play, I'm putting money in the Bills. I would not put money in on Miami if they're to play head-to-head even right now. But I do think Miami needs to get a little more props because it feels like they, they keep getting put down and down and down. What's it going to take for them to finally get their, their due when it comes to what the record shows? And, I mean, again, their victory over the Buffalo Bills already. It's weird because like they've beaten Buffalo. They've beaten Baltimore. Um, I, think, I think people have a hard time believing in Tua. I really do. I think that's the main thing. And you know, I, I get it because I have Dolphins fans in my mentions all the time. I go on a weekly show in Miami, so I, I, I've gotten some attention from them. Uh, like I think there's just like, why why isn't Tua getting more respect? I think it's like, well, his stats are tremendous. When you watch the games, he's good. Like, he's not – you don't watch Dolphins games and go, man, Tua is just absolutely dealing today. You don't feel that way. Like, a lot of times, he's just he's good. Like, he'll throw the ball, it gets there, it's fine. But he doesn't look like Mahomes or Allen at his best or Herbert at his best. Oh, he, he doesn't. That being said, they have not lost a game that Tua has played the entire game. They've not lost. They're 7-0 and in those games. And that includes Baltimore and Buffalo. Like, you have to give the man his props. And the one argument I'm not here for are these people who are like, well, you know, it's only because of Tyreek. Yo, Tyreek's on the fucking team. Like, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, all right, so that's part of it. I mean, that's why they they went out and got Tyreek Hill. I I, I hate when people argue that. Like, oh, well, you know, if he didn't have Tyreek Hill, okay, yeah, but he does. So that's part of this whole deal. Now, I will say this about Miami. This is actually the bigger reason I have a hesitancy with Miami. I think the offense is unbelievable. I think the offense is one of the best offenses in in, in the uh, game today. Their defense scares the hell out of me. That defense is liable to give up 50 points in any given game. Like, if they played the Chiefs in a playoff game, I honest to Christ, I don't think they'd force a punt. I really don't. That That is the concern I have. But I think offensively, they're as good as anybody. 
Tua's like a slightly more souped up version of Jimmy G, a left-handed version of Jimmy G, where the 49ers, they, they go to the Super Bowl and you're like, yeah, but we know he's not the guy. You know he's not the guy making the engine run. I think Tua's better than Jimmy G, but I think it's a fair comparison where it's like, as long as he almost stays out of the way, as long as he's average to above average, the offense will roll. That's the way it was with the Niners. It kind of feels similar with the Miami Dolphins. I feel like he's – that's an interesting comparison. I kind of feel like he's Derek Carr. Mm. Like, we're like, if you surrounded Derek Carr with a really good team, like you could win significant games with him. But I don't, I don't feel like you're ever going to be like, man, like here comes Derek Carr. You know, like it's just kind of like I, – I think – I, I and, and, you know, and actually I was just about to say this. Um Mighty's dropping this in there in the chat. Mighty's Fanks is here every week. Thanks, man. He says, Miami is a top three offense, but you can't deny they've benefited from playing some of the worst defenses in football in the past month. And, like, there is truth in that. They've played a lot of crap bag teams, man, in recent weeks. Like, they've played the Browns. They've played the Bears. You can't stop them. Detroit is the worst defense in the NFL. Like, you do have a lot of those games in there, you know, where, like, like when they played Buffalo, their offense wasn't good in that game. And when they played New England, they weren't good offensively. And when they played the Bengals, now the Bengals game was weird because Tua got hurt halfway through it. And so, you know, factor that in. But they, they weren't even great when he was in the game. The Baltimore game was bizarre. They were bullshit for three quarters and then went berserk. Look, my honest feeling on Miami is Miami's a dangerous team. Like, I don't know that you want to face them in a playoff game. At the same point, do I think Kansas City or Buffalo would beat them in a playoff game? Yeah, I do. I do. So I, I, to answer this whole circle of the question, I would put Buffalo behind Kansas City right now. I will say this. Buffalo's put themselves in a bad spot in one regard. The Chiefs are now the one seed in the AFC. The Chiefs have their upcoming three games at the Chargers, home to the Rams, at the Bengals. Now, the Rams are a disaster, and now they don't have Cooper Cup. The Chiefs should win that game going away. Those are the two road games. That is probably the season in a lot of ways. If they win those two games, they have nobody the last five weeks. Houston, the Raiders, uh, Denver twice. Seattle at home is the only game you even look at and say, yeah, maybe. If Buffalo gives up the one seed to Kansas City, that's a problem. Because now the Chiefs are home and they have a week off and the Bills are probably going to have to play Baltimore in the second round if they get there. And that's, that's a tough game. That is the one that I think the Bills need home field advantage more than the Chiefs do. If the Bills don't get, I think it hurts. The last undefeated team fell last night. Finally, a good Monday night football game, by the way. I didn't have yeah. to drink six shots of rumplements to get through that bad boy. Seriously. But but the Washington Commanders came out on top, beating the Eagles. Eagles had a plethora of mistakes late. They fall to eight and one, tied with Minnesota for the best record in the NFL. Where do they fit in? Are they, are they still the best team in the NFC? Or are they top three in the NFL? Where do they fit in here? Yeah, I appreciate uh, WIP 94 out in uh, in Philadelphia, uh, the main radio station out there, if people are unaware, tweeting out a poll today, should they fire the defensive coordinator? And over 40% of the people saying yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Philadelphia is just a disaster. Uh, oh they fired my. Peterson what, a year and a half after winning a Super it's Bowl. Like they lose one game and people are just like, that's it. It's over. I okay. I will tell you what is over though. In my opinion, the Hertz MVP train is over. That I will say is over. Cause I, I listen, he's having a great year, but if they didn't go undefeated to me, he, he's not winning MVP. So 
I, I think that's one thing you, that is over. Philly, to me, is still the best team in the NFC. It's one game. It's one game. Like they're they're what are they eight and one? Like I'm what I'm going to jump off the ship now? Like they, they're they're terrible. I mean, it's a divisional game. They didn't play well. They had a bunch of turnovers. It happens. I I will say this. I think that San Francisco would be a very daunting matchup for them because of all the talent on that team. Um, I think Dallas could beat them. Um, but I think Philly's the best team. I still think Philadelphia is going to get the number one seed. So I'm not going nuts about that loss. I, I still think, I yeah, the top three team, top team in the NFL, or NFC rather. Yeah, I, I, my opinion of Philadelphia did not change last night. Yeah, Washington has had an incredible game plan, and it actually worked. How often do you actually just pick up four yards every time you run the ball? It just felt like you get four yards, four yards, third and two, let's run it again. And it worked. Well, Brian Robinson last night was running like a man possessed. I mean, God, he was, he was great. I mean, he was so the, some of the strength he showed in the short yarded situations. That touchdown plunge was yep. incredible. He reminds me of Eddie George watching him run. Mm. Physical, big physical. Here it comes downhill. That whole th- type of thing. I, but yeah, my like, if your opinion is that easily swayed off of one loss, then like you really didn't have an opinion, or your opinion is not worth listening to. Like, like if the Chiefs lose on Sunday to the Chargers, like my, my entire opinion of the team is not garbage now. Like. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's the same way with the Bills. The Bills lost two in a row. They're not playing particularly well right now. I still think they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Like, I, now I, I do think over time, you know, your losses and your wins can obviously change your predicament. You know, it can change your seating. It can change all that kind of thing. That maybe makes my opinion shift a little bit because it might make your road easier or tougher. But my my opinion of the of the Eagles does not change. And in this case, it doesn't change at all because they're still the number one seed. Like, I'm more concerned with Buffalo before we move on because I I really think for the Bills, having home field is huge for them. They have not had a home field advantage in the AFC playoffs since 93, which, by the way, was when they went to their last Super Bowl. I I think that matters for them more. Not that they couldn't go to Arrowhead and win. They should have won their last year. But in the AFC, with as deep as that field is going to be, you are now going to have to play an extra game. Like you're like you know the seventh seed might be like the Chargers, you know, or the Bengals. Like that, that's a real game. Like that's not like you're not like the NFC. Who cares? You're gonna play some team. You're gonna kill anyway. In the AFC, it matters. So in any event, I think the Eagles are just fine. I think the Bills will be fine, but their seeding thing is an actual concern. Yeah, with the Eagles, I think they're fine. I mean, it took a blatant uncalled face mask on a fumble that Washington yeah. recovered. Yeah. It called a, a deep bomb that was caught, and then was it Quez Watkins got up, tried to run, and then fumbles. I mean, it was just a, again, a plethora of disastrous plays in a row for the Eagles. They, 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 they made mistakes. They still could have came away with a victory, and they could not. And let's move on to into the future number one. We touched on it briefly, but as Patrick Mahomes – the clear MVP front runner. You said this game basically sunk Jalen Hurts. I think it did. I mean, I think for for Hurts, I, I really felt like he had to go undefeated because they just his numbers are not going to stack up otherwise. Um, doesn't mean he's not having a great year, but he's just not having that year. Yeah, to me, the answer to this question is is yes. Mahomes right now, it's, I don't even know that it's reasonably close. I mean, who the hell is even second right now? Hurts losing really hurts him. No pun intended. Uh Allen has thrown 10 picks now. 
and they are six and three. They, are, they have a worse record. That's nice that they beat the Chiefs, but that that doesn't matter if you have a worse record. That means nothing to me. Um, Mahomes is leading the league in passing yardage. He is on pace to break the single season passing yardage record. He might do it in sixteen games. He is probably not going to throw fifty touchdowns, but he's close. He's at twenty five, and he is leading. I don't think anybody else is more than twenty, if memory serves. So. He's leading by a mile in that category. I think he's second in QBR. He's right toward the top at yards per attempt. The Chiefs are the best record in the AFC. I think most people feel they're the best team in football right now. Like, yeah, what is the hole in the argument? He lost Tyreek Hill, and he's better. So, I, I yeah, I would say that right now, yes. I think easily. He's. I think if they voted today, it'd be the unanimous MVP. Before this slate of games this week, I had Hurts over Mahomes just slightly. I think the undefeated aspect made it very difficult to go against Jalen Hurts. Sure. He actually had more yards per attempt and a higher completion percentage than Mahomes going into this previous game. That, to me, really stood out for a guy who y- you knock his arm because he's so talented with his legs. I go, he's he's doing everything. But this loss, and he's not had that marquee game where he was behind. If Jalen Hurts comes back in this game and they win – well, I think he's for sure still the front runner in my eyes. Fair enough. But he's he's not had that game where you look back and he goes, I put the team on my back to get a victory. We've seen it with Mahomes how many times now? At least twice. This yeah. season where you're like, yeah. if they don't have Mahomes in the fourth quarter, they lose this game. Well, We've not seen that from Hurts. So for me, it goes Mahomes one, maybe Hurts two. Two of might be up there. I actually have two at two. I do. I have two at two. I, I I really do. And and we obviously talked about it before. Look, two is completed seventy one percent of his passes, nine point one yards in attempt, eighteen touchdowns and three picks, and he missed two and a half games. Like does that hurt to, him though? Does, does, yes, does that to me? Okay. To me, it does. To me, it does. It does hurt him because right now, as good as he's as great as he's been, he's seven hundred yards behind Mahomes. Like that matters. I'm sorry, it matters. Um, you know, it matters that, you know, he's, he's got 18 touchdown passes, which is terrific. Well, he's third in the league, but Mahomes is 25. Also two is about to go on the bye week. So those numbers are only going to, that's only going to get a, a, a bigger gulf, right? You're only going to have a bigger gap. Now Mahomes probably a thousand yards ahead of him. Yeah. That stuff matters. Um, and also too, like Mahomes is just having, it's just an obscene year. Like I know. He's at 2,936 yards. He's averaging eight yards in attempt, which, by the way, eight yards in attempt, that is, if you take out anybody, you know, just play like a couple snaps, that's fourth in the NFL. The only guys better are Tua and Hurts, Garoppolo at 8.1, and Mahomes, right? But then you get into, like, Mahomes is 25 touchdowns to seven picks. His QBR, Garoppolo's QBR is 48.2. On a scale of 1 to 100, Mahomes is 78.6. Like, Mahomes is throwing for 326 yards a game. Yeah, It's just you – know, and, and Tua, by the way, if you want to go by that, like 283, which is great, but it's not 326. Well, um, you, 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 that game does take into account the one he got hurt in. I understand that. So I that, 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 that's going to lower that a good amount, just just playing both sides here. No, it's true. Although I would also argue there have been two games Mahomes has been taken out in the fourth quarter because they've just been absolutely killing who they're playing, right? So it's like – but you're but fair enough. I would ha- My ballot right now would be Mahomes, Tua, and Hurts, one, two, and three. 
Let's get into the future. Number two, do you believe the Raiders and Broncos both have new head coaches next season? First of all, I'm going to say no. I think the Broncos will have a new head coach. I don't think that. I don't think the Raiders will. But can we just stop and appreciate what a what a glorious disaster both those teams are? <laughs> like, I don't. I I I very like as much as obviously everybody knows I'm a Chiefs fan. I try not to put on my fan hat here because I you know I cover the league. I, I for thirty seconds I have to. I grew up absolutely hating Denver as a kid because of John Elway. Now you cover the league, you got to check all that stuff at the door. Fair enough, but as a kid I hated them. The Raiders, I, I was taught to hate as a kid because they're the main rival of the Chiefs and so on and so forth. But again, cover the league, you do a professional job, you check that stuff, okay? Those two teams, the, the, the kid in me has just enjoyed this thing thoroughly, right? Now, <laughs> take off the fan hat, put on the analyst hat. I don't think the Raiders are going to move on from McDaniels. Just talking to people around the league, and you see other similar stuff from other people as well. Like It seems as though Mark Davis is pretty entrenched with keeping McDaniels. Can that change? Of course it can change. If they go 4-13, and 13, that might change. Right now, they are what, 2-7? and seven? They are a mess. I, I don't, personally, like, I don't understand how Davis could look at that and go, to, yeah, that's all right, it's good, we're good. But he just literally yesterday said he thinks he's doing a fantastic job. The Broncos, I don't think there's any way in hell you don't fire Hackett. I, I just I don't see that as, as a viable option bringing him back. They are three and six. They have the worst offense in the league. I saw a few different people in Denver tweet out that if they averaged 18 points a game this year, they'd be eight and one. Oof. And yet they're three and six. So here's the problem. I don't know where the hell you go with this if you're Denver. Like, who is taking over that job that has options anywhere else? You're going to tell me that's an attractive job right now? I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's as bad as you, you're oh making that God, to see that Wilson, job. With that contract? No, but you, that defense is so talented as is right now. If you can do a decent job offensively, that's better to me than when, like, Dan Campbell took over the Lions. I know you have, you're building from scratch, right? You have a lot more cap space to work with. But at least here, you mentioned, they'd be 8-1 and one, averaging 18 points a game. Right. If you are a a good offensive mind and you know what you're doing, that's not the worst job to take over. There's some talent on that team. Do you think Russell Wilson is done? Like, honestly, do you think? He's done? Yes. I, I think, I think he's now a, let's say 15 to 20 quarterback in the NFL. Okay. I, that's fair. That's fair. Then I think that's a terrible job because you can only put so much lipstick on that, on that pig of an offense, man. Like at some point, the other part of it is too, and I and I think this is wildly overrated most of the time. People always are like, "Well, why would you go coach in the AFC West? You have to deal with Mahomes." Well, people don't think like that in the NFL. Like they they have confidence in themselves. I will say though, I think with Wilson, because the contract is so long, I do believe you look at that and you have to factor that in. Like, can we win the division with this guy? I don't think you can. Like I real, I genuinely don't think you can. And the other thing I will say with that defense, like I think that defense is is good. I think there's a little fool's gold in it. When you play Denver the way they are offensively, you don't have to be aggressive against that defense. You can play field position. You can play clock. You can do. I think if Denver's offense was any better, like even decent, I think Denver's defense would be somewhat worse because teams would go after them more. If, like, if you're the Chiefs and you're playing them in a couple of weeks and you get to 20 points, you can just throttle it down and say, look, let's not make a mistake. Let's play clock. 
I think that that stuff matters. So I think their defense is good. I don't think it's like dominant like the numbers would suggest it is because you don't have to play them that way. Let's look into the future. Number three, will the Packers find a way to make the playoffs? I don't think so. I know they beat Dallas, uh, comeback win, all that stuff. I do not think they're going to make the playoffs because the four and six, Washington's five and five. The Giants are seven and two. Both those teams have already beaten the Packers. So the Packers not only have to get into a tie, they got to beat them out. I look at the NFC and say, okay, which one of these teams is the Packers going to beat out? The Buccaneers, let's put them aside because I think they're going to win the division. So you got six spots left. The Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. I don't think they're beating any of those teams out. They got to beat out the Vikings in the North. That's not happening. You got to beat out San Francisco and Seattle in the West. That's probably your best shot. Is one of those teams you pick them off? I don't like their odds. I, I think the Packers are pretty much going to win out. And I don't think the Packers are winning out. They've done too much damage to themselves. They still got to play Miami on the road. They got to play Philly on the road. They got to play Tennessee on Thursday night this week. I don't love it. I think your best hope is that Seattle comes back down to earth. I agree. I totally agree with you. I I think San Fran, there's too much talent on that team. As much as I don't necessarily buy into them long-term, there's too much talent overall at all different spots. They've been in the playoffs a ton. I think that matters to an extent. Seattle, you're just hoping that Geno Smith just comes down. That's all you're hoping for because it's too little too late. I mean, Aaron Rodgers looked very good late in that game. They had a good game plan, actually. They ran the ball with Aaron Jones. Who would have thought using one of your best players, getting him involved to make a difference? A stunning, a stunning, stunning situation. And then finally, Christian Watson didn't eat popcorn before the game. You could catch the ball, three touchdowns. But again, I think it's just a little bit too late for the Packers. Uh, let's get into into the future number four. Has Justin Fields proven he's a franchise quarterback? No, but I love the way he's trending. And he's really exciting. I can't get there that he's a franchise quarterback based on six games. And I don't care that they're one in five in those games because they stink. That has nothing to do with him. But I, I need to see him. Like, he's throwing for, for less than 200 yards a game in that stretch. It's not because he hasn't been good. He's been pretty efficient. They just don't have weapons. I can't get there through six games. And I'm somebody who all offseason, anytime I talked about him, said, look, I want. I think he can be really good. I really do. I really feel like I can honestly say I've been on that train all year. Like, I really have felt like he's got a lot of talent. Um, I can't like, – to me, though, like, we're, we're always in this world like we love to just, like, jump into immediately. Like, the guy's great. That's it. Like, let's just give it time. I want to see how things shake. But I love the way he's trending. And I think that if you gave him the requisite talent around him, he could be great. So I love the way he's trending. I don't want to just declaratively say yes, absolutely. But I, I, I think he's on his way. Does it feel a little bit Lamar Jackson-esque? Where if you put him in the right system, yes. where I you mean, allow him, you have to build the team around his play style, right? Like you have to make sure that he's the focal point. Run first offense. I think he can be the franchise quarterback. Uh, I was not super high on him coming out of college. Ohio State quarterbacks always give me a little bit of a little bit of cause to pause. But he's been really impressive. I mean, he truly has. They're they're using him to his strengths now. The victories will come. That team's not great. We know not this. But if they had a good offensive line, a good offensive, the Ravens have a good offensive line. You give him time in the pocket. 
allows him to survey the field. If he needs to take off, he can take off. He's dangerous in open field. I'm not saying he is a franchise quarterback, but I think you can win with him in the same way you can win with Lamar Jackson. Although I do think Lamar Jackson has a better arm. I, I will say that. I think Lamar Jackson is a better arm than um, Justin Fields personally. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's all fair. I think that's all fair. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I think I think that it's it'll be interesting to see with Fields how he progresses. But I, I love the way he's played the last six weeks. And, yeah. and I think if the Bears give him some real talent, they could do some damage. All right, let's bring in somebody who's over the moon about Justin Fields. And that is Betsided's Ben Heisler. Heisler, what is uh, going on on this snowy Tuesday? Yeah, uh, very snowy day uh, in, in the world of Kansas City. If you guys see me just like dart off in the distance, it's because uh, I've, I've made in the queue for the Taylor Swift concert at Arrowhead that I am purchasing for my wife. I've been in the queue and in the waiting room since like the last two hours. Buying it for yourself. Um, yeah. I, it's, I'll go. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to twist my arm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man. Just, I can't believe I got to go to this. Listen, concerts at Arrowhead are fun. I'm, I'm not a big country music guy, but I've gone and oh, seen Kenny Chesney You're not there. calling Taylor Swift country. Come on. No, 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 no. I, I said, I'm not a, I, I'm not a country music guy, but I've seen Kenny Chesney okay. at Arrowhead. That's fun. And that was a hell of a show. So, like those are fun experiences in the middle of the summer when the weather is nice. So I'll go, I'll go see Taylor. It, it's, it's actually kind of ironic because I've been sitting 2000 people back in the queue for the last two hours. And I'm thinking like, this is a perfect analogy for like leaving Arrowhead stadium. Like I haven't moved. It's been two hours and I have no idea when I'm going to get the hell out of here. I remember going there once to see a game. They play, it was actually Mahomes's. First year, well, his first year as a starter, his MVP year. And then lost on Thursday Night Football to the Chargers in like a crazy game at the end. And we were sitting sitting there for hours trying to get out of the stadium. And some guy in a truck ran over a fence and just drove out of it. (laughs) I'll never forget that. Just drove the fence, just knocked the fence right over. I was like, okay, fair enough. Followed the guy right up. But uh, what – what lines do you like here in uh, week? Or I guess what what are the lines you're looking at first? And we can get in the lines want to want to maybe throw a few bucks on. But what do you, what lines you're looking at for week eleven? Yeah, there. I actually thought that there's a lot of compelling matchups on the board this week. Um, so I, I I've listed my top three as we, we normally go through it. Um, but I feel like before we do that, let let's kind of go through a few that deserve honorable mention. Yeah. So you got the Browns and the Bills. Bills obviously coming off one of the most disastrous losses I can recall in the regular season, fumbling the football in their own end zone. Minnesota recovers, and just watching that disaster unfold was fascinating. Um, But I think part of the reason that's going to be fun is you got one to two feet of snow that could be expected in Buffalo that game, Um, and the Bills don't run the ball. I know. That is going to be very interesting (laughs) to watch that place out. Yes. Um, I, I mean, there's still heavy favorites in that game. Last time I checked, Buffalo is still like a, a nine-point favorite. It's eight and a half on FanDuel. It's on FanDuel. eight and a half. Okay. But even still, like, it, it almost sets up perfectly for the Browns uh, because yeah. of how they like to, to play on that, offense. And the Bills obviously have had some issues in, in stopping the run as well. I think Bears and Falcons deserves honorable mention because you're going to see a ton of offense 
in that game because neither of these defenses have any sort of talent on the roster right now. Pretty much nothing. And you have Justin Fields who continues to set records week after week. The Falcons have everybody on that team that can run the football and the Bears can't stop the run. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Jets and Patriots, I didn't put in the top three, even though the records would dictate so, just because Bill Belichick owns um, Zach Wilson's soul. Like, this isn't yeah. going to be a particularly fun matchup. And even if they make the adjustments, it's in New England. I don't think that bodes well for them. And then the last one that I think makes honorable mention this week, uh, Bengals at Steelers. Again, Steelers, not a particularly good team, but they are a different team when TJ Watt returns. I'm on the Cincinnati side for that one, which we'll get into it a little bit. Uh, but Mike Tomlin, you guys now is 17, three and three covering the spread as a home underdog since 2007. Like that's, that's insane to be able to be that I good mean. against the spread and only also be a home underdog 23 times in your entire head coaching career that expands all the way to 15 years ago. Uh, another indication that even with the Steelers having a rough year, still in very good hands with Mike Tomlin in charge of the show. And yet you're going against them. And yet I'm going against them because I was on them the previous week and New Orleans, very different team than Cincinnati coming off of a bye that appears to have figured some things out, but we'll get to that in a second. Would you all agree that the number one game of the week, whether it be betting, whether it be fan interest has to be the Cowboys at the Vikings in the late window this, this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, probably. Probably. Okay. Okay. So fascinating matchup. I think to the point where you've seen the line move um, closer to the Vikings from where it opened It opened around the Cowboys minus two, minus two and a half on the road. Uh, it is since pretty much a pick um, or Dallas minus one or minus one and a yeah. half. Um, if you're looking for the total in that game, that currently sits at 47 and a half at almost every single book, um, which is big because I think it opened at 47. Uh, so you want to get past that's a, one of the most key numbers on the board. Minnesota's uh, in particular, Kirk Cousins stats at home are fantastic. And part of the reason that I faded him last week is because he's had a lot of struggles on the road. The Vikings have had, you know, improbable comebacks in a lot of those road games. And I still think you can make the argument that Cousins wasn't that good in the fourth quarter in the comeback. It was Justin Jefferson who was elite amongst elite. He bailed out Cousins multiple times. And I think seven out of nine catches from Jefferson last week were considered 50-50 or less, according to NFL Next Gen stats. Like, at some point, like that warrants consideration, like in the offensive player of the year conversation for Justin Jefferson. And I think he might start to move up that list a little bit further as we go along. But I, I just think we're, we're evaluating, we're valuing Minnesota's efforts from last week too much into this week's spread. I, I don't think they're anywhere close to the same type of quality team as the Cowboys. And I think especially coming off of that loss, a bad loss to the Packers, like that's a wake up call for Dallas. And I think they go in knowing that they're the superior team to Minnesota. And, and I like Dallas to cover the short spread here. I have them on the money line on the road this week. Yep. I'm with you. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Here, here's the, the cold hard truth about Minnesota in that game against Buffalo. They needed an absolute full-blown miracle to win that game. They were down Correct. 17 points with two minutes to go in the third quarter. And then Cook goes off on the left side. I'm like, look, give him credit. It's a nice, it's a great run. But my God, like, Buffalo lets them run 81 yards, like untouched. And, you know, they, they get down to the red zone. And for reasons I'll never understand. By the way, I, I, I'm going to completely hijack this for 10 seconds. Sean McDermott, 
for the love of God, take the points sometimes. Like, fourth and two, 10 minutes left, you're up 10 points at the seven. And the Bills are like, nope, got to go for it. Like, hick the field goal. Oh, my God. Like, it, it, by the way, if they do that, they win the game in regulation. Okay? Then they turn right. it over. The Vikings go down. They need, Justin Jefferson makes one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in life. Okay? They get down there, but Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. And so they can't get in the end zone on a million shots at it. And then the Bills fumble in their own end zone. I, I think the Cowboys are the better team. I know Minnesota's 8-1. and one. I know they beat Buffalo. I get it. I, I never watch the Vikings and walk away impressed. Ever. Like I walk away thinking they're good. I don't think they're a bad team, but I don't I don't walk away ever thinking like they're a Super Bowl level team. It's always like they're good. They're a good team. I think Dallas is a slightly better team and they're coming off a loss. I will take Dallas as well. What time is this game at? This is a late afternoon oh. game. So it is a 325 oh, no. local start. It's not 720. Wait, no, it's not 720 though. It's not 720. Give me the Vikings. Give me iced out Kirk Cousins, baby. I rolled with them last week. I had the money line Vikings over the Bills. I put only five bucks down. I'm soft. I didn't have that big of stones. I'm going money line again with the Vikings. They've not let me down. Kirk Cousins has been good. He's been good. Yes, the red zone struggles. I get it. I understand. And you can say it's Justin Jefferson, but guess what? He's on that team, Vernoran. You talked about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he's on the Dolphins. Justin Jefferson is on the Vikings. He makes plays. He does. You, you think Trayvon Diggs is not going to get cooked by Justin Jefferson? He probably will. I'm not arguing that point. Um, it's just so funny. I, I my my uh, buddy who covers the well now he's now he's actually national. Congrats to him. But Arif uh, Hassan who worked covering the Vikings for many years at the Athletic and who still has some, some local interest with them. He was tweeting about like. If the Vikings are 15 and two, like the fear that will be involved with that fan base. And I, I tweeted back at him. I'm like, I, I, I absolutely get it. Like if that team's 15 and two, 14 and three, that the, the white knuckling every week in the playoffs with that team, <laughs> because you just, you're waiting for that, that piano to drop. Right. So, uh, it's they're fascinating. I'll give them that. And like, hell, you know what, man? How could you not root for the Vikings? Like, what do you have against them? But it's they're uh, so fun. They're hotter than the inside of a hot pocket right now. I mean, come on. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. Yeah, and 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 most people watching and betting on the Vikings each week get the same effects from eating a hot pocket. <laughs> they're physically ill the for three and a half hours. Yeah. By, by the way, Sterling, you brought up an interesting point, which is Kirk Cousins uh, not playing in prime time. Um, and you'd be correct in primetime games, he's 10 and 18 over the course of his career. Um, numbers actually aren't terrible, like 50 touchdowns, 26 interceptions has a quarterback rating of just under 94. And he actually has good numbers in late afternoon games as well. It doesn't compare to early games where he's 51 and 31 and one. He's got a touchdown interception <laughs> ratio of seven. <laughs> but in late afternoon games, Sterling, he's seven and 14. Oh, over his career with the the lowest uh, average yards per attempt, lowest average yards per game, 32 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, which is very good. Hey, get ready to be 8-14, and baby. Get ready for it. (laughs) I like it. He's due. (laughs) Well, what else we got? What else we got? So that's number one on my list. Number two, uh, despite not seeing any good Thursday night games for what feels like forever, you have to put the Titans and the Packers on this list, right? 
Yeah. Titans continue to they're they're sort of in a similar vein as Minnesota, except they're just far less entertaining. Like they're they're the team that is winning games that you just don't expect them to win because they don't seem to be making mistakes that they probably be should probably should be making. And their defense has taken a, a terrific turn. Like this was a team yeah. I remember having a conversation with you guys thinking that uh, you know, with their inability to pass rush with some of the issues in their secondary. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a team that got cooked consistently week in and week out. They've made a lot of adjustments. Um, but Dupree's been, been playing much better as of late. I, I, I give Tennessee a lot of credit here. I just don't know if after the, the Packers finally got something, like something finally clicked, and that was the connection between Rodgers and, and Christian Watson. I don't know if that's going to be the number one connection the rest of the year. But what I do know is that it at least opens up more passing lanes for them. Before it was, you were hoping you know, it might be Alan Lazard. You were hoping it might be Robert Tanyan. Romeo Dobbs was out this week. All of a sudden now, if you have an, a, an, a viable option in, in Christian Watson, who is a big mismatch down the middle of the field with his size and his athleticism and his speed, that opens up everything for Green Bay. And I don't think they're, they're the cream of, of that division by any means anymore. But I, I think I like them a little bit more than their current number in this game, which is, I think, two, two and a half. Um, I, I will take Green Bay to, to cover, especially if I can get it at two and a half here, especially with how trends have been leaning in these Thursday night games towards the home team and towards the under. Uh, the, the Titans can't score consistently right now. They've scored just enough to win. Um, but I, I think the Packers are going to run all over them, and I think play action is going to open up a lot this week. I, I think Green Bay wins this one easily. I would also take the Packers, although you said something. I'll just leave it at that. I, I, I'm with you. I think the Packers won the game. Um, you said something about the Titans being like the Vikings, and I, it made me think. like If those two teams met in the Super Bowl, would everyone watch it with their mouths open for like three and a half hours? Like just floored at what they were watching? That would be one of the all-time – moments in sports history right like Tannehill just rifling a pick in a coverage but then Cousins coming back and just just firing a ball into the ground on like third and three with Jefferson <laughs> wide open I anyway uh, I think the Packers will win look they have a little bit of momentum now um the Titans offense is just an offense that can't score and I, I just believe that when they play quality quarterbacks it's a problem also Short week, they're missing a lot of guys on defense last week. Simmons was out, Cunningham on IR. Like You just wonder, like, will Simmons play this week, or are they going to say, look, it's an NFC game, it's not that big of a deal. You know, they're going to win the division. They're going to be a four seed. Like, do they just rest guys who are maybe so-so? I I think the Packers win by, you know, a touchdown, maybe even 10 points. The Packers will win if they decide to use Aaron Jones. They used him last week, and look what happened. I don't understand their – this dilemma of like, should we use one of our best players, maybe the best receiver as well as running back on the team? When they do, they win. When they don't, they lose. We'll, we'll see early on because they really did a good job of using Aaron Jones early, and that did set up play action for, for Christian Watson late. I mean, that was a massive storyline. If you look at the numbers for Aaron Rodgers, they weren't great. They all came late in the game when they needed to have it. I'll go with the Packers, but I'm still at least a little bit worried that they – try to rely too much on Rodgers early, and then they get behind, you can't use Aaron Jones at that point. That's fair. I, I, I do think to a certain extent, like, are we making the same mistake that we are 
in the same realm of, of the talking about the Vikings and the Cowboys? Are, are we looking at the Packers win and their comeback win as a jumping off point into what they really are when the reality was they were down by two scores, came back in the fourth quarter against a really good Cowboys defense that fell on their face for really one of the first one of the only times this year. I just think the short turnaround remaining at home, Tennessee having to go um, from home to on the road in a short week. Um, Derek Henry's not going to have as much rest as he needs to be successful. Um, although you can run on green Bay. Um, so Henry should be fine, but again, that's not having him to have a full week of rest. I, I think really hurts them in this situation. By the way, um, so I, I think that's a nice little break for Green Bay. Here. Uh, quickly, just on a complete side note, but it's just it's coming out during the podcast. Uh, Cooper Cup needs surgery, and he is going on IR. So he has a high ankle sprain that is bad enough; it is requiring surgery. So he will be out the next four games. The Rams continue to have the season from hell. Are they? Do they have their first round draft pick next year? No, they do not. Who has it? Detroit. Ooh. Yikes. The Rams pick might be higher than the Lions pick. Yeah. Like, we're <laughs> really getting out there. Yeah, because right – by the way, that actually – One and two, baby. <laughs> so, really – yeah. Really, actually, uh, quickly, because it's it's really interesting. So, if you look right now at the draft order, as we're sitting here. So, of the nine – of the top nine picks in the draft, if it were right now, Four of them have already been traded. So, as you sit, Houston has the number one pick in the draft. The Raiders have the number two pick in the draft. Carolina's third. New Orleans would be fourth, but that pick is owned by Philly. Philadelphia is the best record in football, and they have the fourth overall pick. It's unbelievable. Then you have Jacksonville, Chicago. Then Denver would have seven, but that's Seattle's pick. The Rams would have eight, but that's now Detroit's pick. And Cleveland would have nine. It's Houston's pick. So Houston has one and nine. Philadelphia's got four. Uh, Seattle's sitting there with, uh, let's see, it's seven and 22, and the Lions have eight and 11. <laughs> Let me shout out Chris Albright really quickly in the chat because he asked who our top three GMs were. Howie yep. Roseman. Howie Roseman. All mode out. I mean, my goodness, that guy. That's a good question. Did you guys see the sign that he, he yelled at that fan for awesome. was it a, a week or two ago? Yes. For um, He said, like, Howie, we forgive you for, for taking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. <laughs> he got mad because he's like, I won you a ring, you, you ungrateful bastard. <laughs> Howie, Howie Roseman is awesome. Yeah, he, he's right in there. I'd have to think about it. The top three, I don't know. I mean, Veach has got to be up there. I mean, he's up there. You know, Brandon Bean and Buffalo's right up there. DeCosta and Baltimore. Yep. I mean, they're all right in that that mix. They're all they're all really good. They're they're great GMs. Plenty of good GMs. Still plenty of terrible. Oh, GMs. way more than not. Yes. Yes. All right. What is the third game here? Is I don't want to get too off topic. Third one is the is the Sunday night game. I I think we all have a general indication of, of how it's likely to go, but. I still think we put it on here because these games have been competitive over the last several years. Um, the Chiefs and the Chargers in LA. Um, I I don't know when the Chargers are going to have their moment of, of introspection where they let Herbert throw the ball downfield. It looked like initially first half of, of, of Sunday night was, was going to yeah. be that moment. 
And then he threw for 35 yards in the entire second half. Now, that's a good San Francisco defense, but they've also shown this year that they can be exploited. Um, take Kansas City as a case in point that you can find ways to take advantage of the 49ers defense. And the Chargers initially looked like they were got there still without their, their top two receivers. No idea as to whether or not Mike Williams or Keenan Allen will be back. That obviously helps change the dynamic. They will practice. And you still have Austin Eckler there. What's that? They are going to practice this week. It's unclear if they're going to Okay. Practice. So that also might be part of the reason why they're kind of hovering around um, a touchdown uh, underdog at home this week. It's anywhere between six and a half and seven. Um, I, I have not placed a bet on this game yet. I'm leaning Kansas City if I can get it at six and a half. Uh, the Chiefs barely, barely covered against Jacksonville at nine and a half. If you got them at 10, um, you know, it, it was real darn close, but ultimately not, uh, not good enough to cover, got the push. I, I just I, I just never know what Chargers team is going to show up, but at least I know with Kansas City, I, I know that they're going to make necessary plays. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to cover. So this kind of just feels like a stay away for me until I actually feel like I'm I see the right number here and I know who's playing. If Allen and Williams are in this game, I, I probably will lean Chargers if I can still get it at seven. If they are out and it's still six and a half, I, I feel like Kansas City is going to be the right side, but. Kind of feel like the number is where it's supposed to be, and and that's part of the reason I don't want to touch it. I my first blush at this line was I would take the Chargers covered because it's a divisional game and and the Chiefs are just the Chiefs have a tendency to like sleepwalk through portions of games and then they just get white hot for like twenty minutes and then the game's over. Like that's kind of been their mo really since they won the Super Bowl. Like they've done that for years, right? But they win. But that doesn't help you in gambling unless you're just taking money. Correct. Now, I thought about this game a little bit yesterday and this morning. I actually am going to take the Chiefs for one reason. They have certain games that they pick out, and they have done this for years, where they put their A game plan out there, and they're just like, look, we're going full tilt to win the game. Whatever it takes. I think this is going to be one of those games. Because if they win this game, this division is over. And I, I think the division's over anyway. But I think it's going to be one of these things where the Chiefs know they win this game, it is over. The other thing is, Mahomes in primetime is about a mortal lock to win the game. Now, again, you could you, if you don't love like one thing I could do, I would do in this game maybe even is tease the number down to where the Chiefs are a one point favorite, and then take the over on like at forty four, like just tease them both down and just go Chiefs essentially on a money line at that point, and then over. Because Mahomes just doesn't lose in these primetime games ever. I think he's like 17 right. and two or something in his last 19 primetime games. Also, he has never this and this stat still just blows my mind, but it is fact. He has never lost a road divisional game in his career. So if you're uncomfortable with the points, I might just tease it, get it down to one, take the Chiefs, and then just take the over, just tease the over down to the 44 and go from there. Chiefs are basically at home anyways. So it's at Here's the Chargers. The other part basically yeah. at home. If Mike Williams isn't there, that's the guy who traditionally kills Kansas City. So if Mike Williams is out, good luck, Herbert. The, the play of the Chiefs linebackers, the way they're growing together, I don't think Austin Eckler is going to all of a sudden dominate on the ground. Chiefs had five sacks last week. Five. 
And that continues. Good luck, Justin Herbert, in your Drew Brees ribs. I don't trust the Chargers. I mean, I, I get your guys' points, especially with the points. It's, it's a divisional game. Chargers traditionally do play Kansas City close. But all signs to me point towards a Chiefs blowout. Also, Kadarius Tony, Getting him more involved, what he's done for the past two weeks, he could explode in this game. Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously a name to look out for. If he's out, that's a big loss for the Chiefs. So you were talking about Mahomes in primetime. I, I just pulled up the numbers. So in – in night games over the course of his career, he is 17 and seven straight up. He is 13 and 10 and one against the spread. He has also gone four and one, both straight up and against the spread, uh, in his last five Sunday night football starts. The the lot the the against the spread loss in week nine to Tennessee snapped that that four game losing streak. By the way, since we're we're live on the show, I was taking a look at, at some live lines where you guys were discussing this um across the league and Werner, I, I typically don't like to tease totals um i think especially if you see the chiefs at seven you want to bring it down to one i think that's an ideal spot to be um you can even do it at six and a half and, and basically just they just have to win the game outright right. i think that's perfectly fine although the, you always try to make your goal of a teaser to move it past both seven and three uh as those key numbers but i think it applies here the total is at very different lines right now across multiple sports books that are available um, really all over the country. Several of them are which are in, are in Kansas city. If you are looking to go over on this game right now, um, bet MGM has it at 49 and a half. If you're looking to go maybe under DraftKings right now has it at 50 and a half, but those are the only books right now that don't have it at 50. So you're talking about a full point discrepancy uh, between two of the bigger sports books in the country right now. So I, I might go ahead knowing that it's likely on the, the move towards the up and up. I, I might go to BetMGM right now after the show is over and, uh, and drop something on that over because uh, with the way that this game is trending, especially kind of what you mentioned, the idea that they need to find an opportunity to um, put their foot on the gas pedal, know that this is an opportunity for them to be able to score some points. Mahomes right now on pace to uh, break Peyton Manning's record from a handful of seasons ago. Yep. Yeah. Chargers aren't stopping anybody. So this leans over for me. Um, and I feel like this might be an ideal time to, to grab that number for perhaps before it goes all the way up to 50. No, it's a, it's a good point. And to your point about him being 17, seven, 17 and seven in primetime games in his career, he lost four of those games in his first year as a starter. So since then he is just lights out. Like they, they don't lose those games. They really do not lose those games. Like I, that's to me, like, I remember the game, hell, I think we all do, last year when they played the Chargers in L.A. on Sunday Night Football. Or it was just Thursday night. It was Thursday night. And that was just an all-time classic game where they, you know, Mahomes just went nuts. And in the, in the last two minutes in, this, in the overtime period, he threw for like 177 yards or something. Like, mm -hmm. that to me what is about? the ultimate portion of why I would take the Chiefs, whether you tease them or not. And I, I think they even would cover the number. If I had to bet, I would cover. I'd pick them to cover this. I just think this is going to be one of these games where the Chiefs are going to be like, look, we have to win this game. We win this game. We, we can start raising the banner. I, I, I also just think really, especially if Allen and Williams don't play or they're banged up, the Chiefs can just guard them in man coverage and just say, you know what, here mm -hmm. it comes. We're going to go after you all game. Well, I, the Chargers just aren't good. Like they're, they're not bad, but they're very average. And they're not well coached. And I, I think the Chiefs will – will win, and I think they'll even potentially win by a couple scores. 
I, I just made that bet. There you go. There you go. Locked. 40, over 40, over 49 and a half. Let's, uh, let's jump on the board on the earlier side. Don't have to worry about any weather. Be gorgeous in LA. Uh, track me in, in this matchup. That'll be a lot of fun. By the way, as far as our, our, our best bets went from last week, uh, another winning week. Three and two. We hit with uh, we hit with the Bucks. We did not win with the under on uh, the Vikings and the Bills. Um, thanks to uh, Justin Jefferson for that. Really appreciate that. Um, we split with our two Bears and Lions bet. The Bears money line bet did not hit. Thank you, Cairo Santos, for that. Um, but we did hit on the over at 46 and a half. And then we also hit on Washington plus 10 and a half uh, on Monday Night Football against Philly. Uh, I got one, two, three, four, five plays on the board this week. You guys want to rapid fire through them really fast? Sure. Okay. First one on the board for Thursday night. I like the under between Tennessee and Green Bay, 42 and a half. Again, the, the Titans just don't score consistently enough. And even if Green Bay blows them out, um, unless there's a backdoor cover that, that comes all of a sudden, I, I just don't think there's going to be plenty of points scored on the Tennessee side. Packers at home, defense has played better at home. I think under 42 and a half is a good place to be. Uh, I'll go under there. Um, Houston, like them at plus three against Washington, coming off of a short week, coming off of arguably their biggest win of the season. Um, could certainly pull off the victory, but but Houston, especially at home, has played teams much better against the spread. Um, if anything, I, I might take Houston to cover or maybe even money line in the first half uh, because that's where they've been a, a far superior team this year as well. Davis Mills has thrown some bad interceptions in the second half, uh, but I think overall they can cover that line at three. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if this line continues to move in, in their direction. Cincinnati talked about them briefly. I like them to cover at Pittsburgh. We mentioned Mike Tomlin's number 17, three and three against the spread, but the Bengals and I wrote about this for, uh, for Verderam's Monday column over at stack in the box. Uh, the Bengals seem to have figured some stuff out both in running the football, which the Steelers have had issues stopping this year and also protecting Joe Burrow. If you can get him protected, that helps neutralize TJ Watt. And even though Watt is back and that made a substantial difference, Cincinnati, now that they have the ability, especially on defense, to close you out and also to now run the ball, that, that changes the entire dynamic. It's also the largest point spread uh, that's ever been listed for the Bengals at Pittsburgh since the Super Bowl era. So I like Cincinnati at minus four and a half. Like the under in the Cleveland and Buffalo game got it at under 44 with the, the two feet of snow coming. And the other one that we mentioned, Dallas money line, minus 115 against the Vikings. We got five picks on the board. Did any of those stand out to you either positively or negatively? I, I have massive hesitancy with the Texans. Okay. Um, they're garbage. That's my <laughs> dynamite analysis. Uh, I, I cannot take them. Uh, other than that, okay. I'm with you on the Bengals. I'm with you on the on the Vikings. We already talked about that. Packers with you. Uh, I love the pick of the the Bills Browns under because that game. That is like a, a nightmare from hell if you're the Bills. If you wake up and there's 20 inches of powder coming down and you can't throw the ball and that game turns into who can run the ball better, Cleveland or Buffalo, that's a problem. That's a big problem. But I, so I, I like all the bets except Houston scares the crap out of me. Ooh, I, I don't like the Vikings, Cowboys, but it feels like I'm outnumbered. So I'll, I'll defer to you since Ben's been way better than me. But that that just I want it to be known, at least if the Vikings if the Vikings win, I want it to be known. I ruled with them. If the Vikings lose, let it know that I deferred. Okay. I'm trying to put myself in a yeah. 
in a win-win we, scenario. I, I feel like we, we I feel like we brought that up in, in today's show. You had mentioned that you were on the Vikings last week. We were on the Bills. I, we we recognize game recognized game, Sterling. <laughs> I'm just going with the iced out Kirk, man. There's something about that team that's enjoyable to watch. They're fun to root for. I can't root for the Cowboys. I just can't do it. Just I can't do it. Give the Vikings some respect. They're eight and one. Uh, they won again. They'll, they'll they'll earn a little bit more, and then we'll we'll watch them you know, miss a kick or something in the first round, and, and that'll be the end of that. That's nails. I uh, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how that game goes. That game could go twenty different directions. All right, we've kept Heist for too long, so it's past known. It's past. Uh, he's got to get these. Uh, he's got to get his Taylor Swift concert tickets, and uh, then drag his wife to the concert. So listen. Um, all right, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh joining us as always. Week 11 bets, of course. Check out all things betsided, fansided.com, backslash betsided. Check out the daily bet slip, uh, every day, uh, and all of betsided's great work, which you can also, of course, follow on YouTube at betsided. You can follow it on Twitter at betsided. Um, basically, just, just go go check out betsided. So, all right, Heisler, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. All right, fellas, be good. Yeah. All right, what's going on in your life? Why is it so fucking cold? Oh, I don't know. Come back. I hate this. My skin gets dry. I'm yeah. I'm a relatively skinny human being. I'm 5'10", 175, 170. Depends on how much Halloween candy I eat. Yeah. I'm not built for this. Okay, I'm not built for the cold. Am I living in Siberia? It's it's dark at 5 p.m. I can't go golf. What am I supposed to do? It's a shame. Uh, yeah, I, I did. 175. I've been saying 175 since I was like, I don't know, freshman in high school. Um, so good for you. I, 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 I work out a decent amount. I, I, I try and stay in shape. There's If you listen to sports talk radio, a lot of – you sit on your ass a lot. I'm sitting on my ass a lot. Listen, you you're not going to say it because you're too nice of a person. I'll say it. This industry has a lot of people who who could use more physical activity, okay, and, and perhaps somebody who can dress them. Um, <laughs> I I've never seen a group of people who are more excited to run to a press box spread dressed like they're from 1996. Okay, I don't care. And for all of you, oh, that's not right, Bertram. Fuck that. Like I, I also am in this in this fraternity of sports writers and reporters and all stuff. Hey, listen, it is what it is. There is not a there is not a group of people who are dressed worse in the world than sports writers. Nobody, <laughs> nobody. Okay, I don't care. I'll argue with that to the end of time. Now that all being said, I think it's important to stay in shape. I also go to the gym probably four to five days a week. Some days it's cardio. Some days it's it's, it's lifting weights. I am built differently than you. I, like, I don't know how you are. I'm the kind of person, I can lose weight easily, but I can gain weight really easily. Like, I I can fluctuate very, very rapidly if I'm not careful. Like, I, I right now, I'm like 6'2", 235, but I could easily be like anywhere between 220 and 250 at like the drop of a hat. <laughs> like, it's easily. So, um that that's the danger for me. I always have to be 
on top of it or 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 I am I am disgusting quickly. I'm like Dexter McCluster out here. I'm like I'm like I'm like a Dexter McCluster size, I feel like. Okay. Like I'm built to play like tight end. And yeah. I also run like somebody who would play tight end. We totally needed to I keep saying we need to get some folks together and do a combine. Yeah. Austin says Verderam is not 6'2. Austin, Thank I you, tell Austin. You. I believe you, Austin. Because every time, every time I've done this with I'm like, Verderam's like my size. And he's like, I'm 6'2, 235. Well, I've never seen you stand up. You obviously I've never met you in person. Well, I, I get that, but when we in what, what do you want me to do? Stand up against a growth chart in the office? What yeah, come on. Like, let me get some height number. Get a, give me a couple yardsticks out. Well, I gotta tell you, Austin, I I've I've known me my whole life. I'm six two. I got no reason to lie about it. <laughs> I, you know, um, I my whole family is pretty pretty tall. The old man six two. My grandparents are anyway. Regardless, um, yeah, it's it's one of those deals where like if you're not careful, it's bad news. That being said, you know right now the back's hurting a little bit. Today I've had like numbness in my damn fingers all day long. I think it's a pressed nerve. It could be killing me. I don't know. I'm hoping it's a. Pre- I'm hoping it's something with a nerve. Um, that or I, I'm in. I'm in a lot of trouble. Uh, do you smell toast? I do not smell toast. Okay, you're good. You're good. All right. Um, I uh, I will say though you you kind of led off with what I was going to say. So it is snowing here and it's not like it's snowing hard, but like it's not really snowing hard because it, it melts when it hits the ground for the most part. So I sent my daughter to school today, like, like an adult would do, like a father would do. Okay. I sent her with, she's got a uniform. She's got to wear, don't even get me started. But on Tuesday she can wear like the school t-shirt and it's tie dye or whatever. So she wore the tie dye shirt. And I dressed her in leggings because that's what she typically wears. And then I gave her a chief sweatshirt to put on. And I, I sent her uh, out the door with, with a winter coat, mittens, and a hat. So the school sends out an email, like not just to me, like a, like a school-wide email. Hey, winter's here. If your kid doesn't have winter boots on today and snow pants, they have to stand on the sidewalk and watch the other kids play. Let me tell you something. When I go pick her up today, it's going to be a bad day for that school. Okay. <laughs> if they make her, if, if I'm going to ask her, like, did they make you watch these kids play? And if they, she says yes, we're going to have a problem. I'm paying enough for that fucking school. There is a quarter inch of snow on the ground. She needs, she, what does she need to dress her in? Fucking Timberland send her out there? I mean, my God. It's a quarter inch of snow. I mean, she's got to wear snow pants for this. What? What? I mean, like, what is gonna happen? She's five. Like, it's it's un. We society is broken. It really is. Like when I was a kid, if my parents sent me to school in shorts on, on Christmas Eve, they would have been like, you know what, kid, your problem. Go out there, <laughs> do whatever the hell you want to do. Now, quarter inch of snow. Everybody's got to grind to a halt. It's a quarter inch of stuff. She fell in it. She couldn't drown. Like, what <laughs> What are we doing? It's unbelievable. This is the same school that had the gall to tell us, hey, look, if she wants milk at lunch, it's $70. $70. 
for a year's worth of milk. I'm about to stand outside hawking gallons of milk to the kids. Hey, kids, $4 a gallon, I'll make 50 cents, and guess what? You're going to have milk for about a month. Buy it from me four more times, we're covered for the rest of the school year. It's unbelievable. You're charging me for tuition and all the other bullshit that goes along with this. It's preschool, by the way. She's not even in kindergarten. And by and what might I add, I would never have sent her to a paid-for preschool because I'm not that guy. But I had literally no choice because she aged out of daycare and there's no other school in the area that's a full day's worth of pre-K. So I had no option here. I was, I was screwed over. I, I will leave it at this, and I mean this. If I go there today to pick her up and she says to me that they did not let her play, I'm going to have a very, very unpleasant conversation with someone at that school. Verter, I'm getting some desks moving in there. Better watch I, out. I'm pissed. Like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. She can't play in a quarter inch of snow. And I'll tell you, if I know my daughter, she also is going to have something to say about that. A quarter inch of snow. Oh, got to gotta put on your... Your snow boots, I might send her just to make a point. I might get her some skis and send her to school. And say, Here you go. Fuck your snow pants. She's wearing skis to, to reset. Dog, get her those 1980s lime green, you know, skiing outfits. Get her some skis. Get her some goggles. Just show up. That'd be outstanding. That's right. Here it is. She's got, she's just wearing, she's just wearing ski boots to class now. That That's it. Just in case we're concerned about it, if it's still another quarter inch, I don't know how the kids are going to get home. I, this is, we can close on this. I swear to God, it's a true story. So when I was in high school, we never, like, like very rarely closed school. I shouldn't say never. We did close occasionally. We, it took a lot. And in my town, I grew up in the Catskill Mountains. So certainly a mountainous town, but we had one mountain in particular, Chandelier, which was, it was, is, Significant, very I, hard for a bus tra- to traverse if, if if there's if there's a decent amount of snow on the ground. But because the teachers and the superintendents, I swear to God, it's just a reason I can't prove this. But I, they wanted they didn't want snow days because we had to stay a little bit extra in June. No, it's like you had to have like a good half foot or more, otherwise you're not getting out of school. So we have one day. I think I was like a freshman or a sophomore. It snows like nobody's business. Like it is coming down the morning of the, of the school day. Not even a two-hour delay. Like just <laughs> we're going in. And I remember being incredulous. Like, we're going to school. Like it's like look outside. Like it's brutal, right? So we get to the school. We're there. We're there for twenty minutes. They're like everybody's going home. Like what? Okay. We go home. My buddy calls me. He's like, hey, man, do you hear what happened? I'm like, no. He's like, our bus went into a lake this morning. <laughs> like, what? He's like, yeah, you know that corner? You know, obviously, yeah, you don't know. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's a, you know, a sharp turn around this one lake. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, lost control right into the lake. One kid's got a concussion, otherwise we're good. I'm like, <laughs> what did you do? Well, you've been shitting your pants. He's like, ah, it was shallow. I just I went out of the emergency exit out of the back and just walked home. <laughs> he, he just left the bus and just walked up the hill. But after that, if there was a hint, if there was a rumor of snow, we canceled school because mm. the lawsuits were coming.
So we did, that was it. But you know, that was that was the way it was. Now a quarter inch of snow, and if the kid's not in like you know a full on snow globe outfit, nope, that's it. Can't play anymore. Unbelievable. <laughs> what we need to do, we determine the rules now. Let's make things harder again. Let's make things more difficult. I think we need to bring back bullying, but not necessarily of the kids, but of the teachers. Bring we gotta bully the teachers and the the your whoever's telling your kid to do that. Be like, come on now. You know what? Verderam's team bring back bullying. I, I I'm team common sense. We've lost common sense as a society. We really have. Like we've really gotten to the point now where common sense has gone out the window because people are so scared of everything. Like, just let your lives play out. Like, be, be a person. It's okay. You know, it's like these people who, like, won't eat cookie dough because they're like, well, you know, I read somewhere that it's bad. If you won't eat cookie dough, you're a monster. <laughs> you're a monster of a human being. You know, and if you don't let your kids eat cookie dough, prison. You deserve prison for <laughs> Straight that. to prison. Straight I mean, to jail. You get these people who just live in their fears about everything. Like, oh, God. You know, what if her legs are cold? She's in leggings. What, is she going to be outside for 10 minutes? I mean, like, she'd be all right. I promise you. She'd be okay. Like, it's not, no one's going to die. No Verderam's team give every kid, before they go to school, a, a cup of black coffee, a pack of smokes, and say, find your way. I mean, listen. I remember, again, I said, now I'm, now I'm getting a point. I'm, I'm 34. I'm getting old, okay? <laughs> we used to have across from the high school a place where the kids would go and smoke. And the teachers would smoke with them. <laughs> like, I swear to God, we had kids who would go across and they'd smoke. And the and the teachers would take lunch and they would just go outside and smoke right there with them. They would just like, no, nobody even thought about it. I never thought about it. We used to leave school all the time to go get lunch. Once you were 11 years old, you could leave, your, you could leave school and go get lunch. Nobody ever thought about that. And if you want to go get pizza, you go get pizza. You want to go drink some some Hennessy or some Jack Daniels behind a, a, a bush, you go do it. Now, I did not partake, okay? Believe, yeah, believe it or not, I was really straight-laced until I got into college. The college, the drinking, it was a little different. High school, didn't go near that. But I went over, got a slice of pizza, got a soda. It was fine. I don't get it. But we got to go. We got to go. We got to get the hell out of here. Listen. For Sterling Holmes, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you for joining us on Sack in the Box today. It has been wonderful. Enjoy your Tuesday, and we will see you again next week.